What month is it? Well, currently or when this is released? <laughs> Aaron. Uh, both. Currently, we are in the month of March. Yay. And we're in, like, the middle of it? Yeah. And uh, this, is, this, this, this recording is going in the vault for a future release. It's actually going to be one of those things, like, uh, you know, when the Pope opens up that time capsule or whatever, you know, like in a thousand years. Right? Like that, Isn't like, that what you said? Like that Pharrell Williams song that's supposed to come out in a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't help but notice your voice sounds great. What's going on over yeah. there? Yeah. I'm a little sick. So what's funny is uh, when this releases, I'll probably be fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's I hope, hope so. Because so. I think we're planning on releasing it in July of 2020. Oh, wait, no. 2018. Yeah. Sounds more right. <laughs> Uh yeah okay cool I just wanted the audience to know that that what they're listening to is a complete farce. Yeah. Uh, do you do you do you know the entire month of July will probably either not have episodes or have been pre-recorded. Do you know why? I don't know why. I have elected to go to Europe for a month. Dude, sweet. Wait, we could still record then. I don't. You just plan- don't want to. You just don't want to be friends with me. Yeah, I don't really just want to like spend my time in Europe worrying about finding Wi-Fi and proper internet signal like some people, Michael Warden. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not going to fault you for that because I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, there was a deal for a round trip ticket to Europe that seemed reasonably priced, and I have a ton of vacation time built up at work, and so I nice. said, uh, "Let's dance. Let's do it." That's awesome. So. Are you going to be hopping around? Are you going to be doing one or two cities? What's the plan? No, I'm hopping around a lot. Hopping. So here's the thing. You know, uh, veteran listeners would would know that we've had Michael Wharton from Unbobbled, Unbabbled on this podcast. How do you feel? Like, was he an inspiration? Absolutely, yeah. It's like it's yeah. something that I've always wanted to do, but to hear from him how, like, kind of not hard it is. Yeah. Like, I always assumed there would be a massive language barrier, and he said, no, most people know English unless, uh-huh. you know, you go to France. And I'm planning I'm mostly skipping France anyway, so fuck him. Oh, really? <laughs> um, Why are you mostly skipping France? Because I don't feel like being going somewhere and then having people be mean to me, you know? Oh. <laughs> like, I'm going, I'm going on, like, a self-fulfillment I see. Journey. So what's the what's the plan? What are the what are the plans? Man, we're gonna go in the whole full. full but okay, so I haven't really booked anything. This is my okay. preliminary this is plan. Preliminarily tentative. Uh, so the plane ticket goes to Zurich. So I the, there was a sale to go to Zurich, Switzerland. And okay. I land early morning in Zurich. Okay. Uh, so my hope is to take sleeping pills on the flight and to. <laughs> Wake up feeling rested, early morning Zurich, and then I'd like to go... Okay, pause. Question one. Do you already have sleeping pills, or do doctors legitimately prescribe sleeping pills for planes? I don't... I haven't actually looked into this at all. I just am planning okay. ahead. Do they? Do, they? Okay. do you know if they do? No, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, so maybe it's worth talking about. I don't know. Anyway... Yeah. Um, I'm going to go immediately from Zurich out into the countryside because I want to go hang gliding in the Swiss Alps. 
Oh, cool. And then after that, I'm planning on spending the night in Geneva. Okay. And then I'll spend the next day exploring Geneva. And then the evening, I'll go to Munich. Cool, cool. And then Munich, I'll spend a day or two there. And then I'm going from Munich to Berlin. Okay. I'm going to spend a couple days in Berlin. And then from Berlin to... I'm going to go to Belgium. The original plan had been Brussels. But I've heard from a couple people that Brussels isn't that interesting and that Bruges is much more interesting. So I might change it to Bruges rather than Brussels. Okay. Is this all by train? Uh, train and bus combination. Train and bus. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, what? I was going to say, the uh, my experience with the European train system is quite positive. Yeah, but like it costs more to get the four-country train pass than my plane ticket cost. Dang. But but see, that's the thing. Like When Chelsea and I took the train, we ended up just like buying one ticket the next day or something, and it ended up being pretty cheap. But yeah, I, I yeah. And Michael mentioned that you know you could take overnight buses and then just sleep on the bus to save you the cost of a a room hotel. Yeah. So okay. like that might be an option. But anyway, I'm gonna go from wherever I end up going in Belgium to London. Okay. Spend a few days in London. Then I'm gonna go to Paris, but I'm only gonna spend like a day in Paris because pre mentioned is that I've heard that French people aren't nice to American tourists, especially in the summer. So okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna see the major things, and then see, peace out. See the things. Okay. Okay. And then I'm planning on going from there to Madrid. Okay. Cool. But in the between there is Bordeaux, and I don't really like wine, but I feel like having a Bordeaux in Bordeaux and sending that picture to my wine friends might just be a worthwhile picture to get. Is this just like a brag, a humble brag, or it's not going to be humble? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. One of the things that I love about this is that um, we're getting the description of where you'll be like three months beforehand, and then you'll be there when we release this. It's genius. And then people will come back and listen to this episode again because it'll be so interesting. Uh, yeah. And then I'm going from Madrid to Barcelona. Okay. And then Barcelona to Milan. Nice. Milan to Rome. Nice. Rome to either Florence or Venice. Haven't decided which yet. Okay, cool, cool. And then to, back to Zurich. And then I'll spend a couple days at Zurich and then head on back. Dude, that's tight. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Venice and Florence. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a tough choice. It's a tough choice. I'm personally currently <laughs> leaning Venice. Okay. Because I just I, I know more about it, and and Florence seems like the kind of place you go if you are interested in art, and Venice yeah. it seems like the kind of place you go if you're interested in architecture, and architecture seems far more interesting to me than art does. Yeah, so Chelsea and I only had like we went to Rome last year, or well, I mean as part of a cruise, and uh, or was it the it might have been the year before? Crap. Uh, but anyway, uh, we. We're supposed to be in Rome for three days, but we were just like, oh, shit, let's see if we can go somewhere else for a day. So we took a train, and it was nice. We got, like, first-class tickets to Florence and back on the same day for, like, 25 30 bucks each. Um, and the train's going, you know, like 180 miles per hour. Like, it was a real quick trip. Um, it, was, it was awesome. Um, but anyway, so I really enjoyed Florence. I thought it was awesome, but... I think if I were going to choose between the two, I would choose Venice, if I hadn't been to either. I mean, obviously now I would choose Venice, no question. 
But <laughs> um, one thing you might want to add to the list, though, is something on the western coast, like Naples. If you if you're like, ooh, I don't feel like going to either Florence or Venice. Like that was awesome. That was that's like my favorite area, I think, of Italy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. As I said, the plans are pretty pretty much in flux right now. They're and in I, flux. Yeah, I really need to get going on the whole making an itinerary. Although I do want to keep it kind of open, and I don't want to like nail anything down because I kind of want the freedom to just kind of fucking do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Well, see, that's the other thing is like, yeah, like that's one of the things that Michael was saying that he does is he he keeps it pretty chill. I mean, they have general plans. But it seems like almost sometimes they're like, oh, we'll make our hotel reservations like two days before, you know. And that seems like a little bit more my style, like rather than the, you know, six months prior, you have every day planned down to the minute. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I want, to, I want to have a list of things that I, that I really want to do to make sure I yeah. have those. But I want that to be like maybe every third day hitting one of those, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I really want to go hang gliding in Switzerland because that sounds fucking bomb. And yeah. I really want to see, like, you know, Notre Dame and the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Like, just yeah. see them. Just like, oh, cool, there they are. I want to see the Colosseum in Rome real bad. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I want to see, like, uh, the Gherkin in London is one of my favorite skyscrapers in the whole yeah. world. Cool. You know, what the, you know what a Gherkin is? I do not. It's what British people call a pickle. I did not know that. Yeah, and said so this building looks like a giant pickle, so they call it the gherkin. My my favorite thing in London, I was only there for like 12 hours, and I was sleeping for eight of those 12 hours. <laughs> uh, it was like a layover where it was just a 12-hour layover, basically. But um, basically, start at at the pol- parliamentary parliament building. Um, and then walk to Trafalgar Square, and then walk to Buckingham Palace. Like, that walk, you kind of make this, like, two sides of a triangle. Um, that's That was awesome. Like, that walk is really cool. You you get a bunch of shit all in one. You know, like, Big Ben, Parliament Building, you know, statues of Churchill and other statues on the way, and then Trafalgar Square, which is a big deal. And then walking from Trafalgar Square through to Buckingham Palace, you just, like, it's a road called The Mall, which is, like... It has a pretty pretty cool park and stuff. I forget the name of the park now, but cool park and stuff. Like it was just a great walk. Um, so yeah, just do that. Speaking of things that I really want to get done while I'm there, uh huh. There are currently three Pokemon that are exclusive to Europe <laughs> that I have to make sure I get. I'm sure you will, considering how much walking you're going to be doing. Yeah, I'm, I bought right? a backpack the other day. I actually asked. Uh, Mr. Unbabbled himself, what backpack he would suggest, and then I bought... I didn't oh, buy nice. the exact one he used, but I bought the brand he suggested. Nice. And I'm gonna go fill it up with bricks and walk around Herman Park for a couple days to make sure I can do it. <laughs> nice. I'm I, sure you can. You were telling me you do a lot of walking during the day, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm planning on doing, like, a lot of walking in Europe. You know, like, a lot, a lot of walking. And I don't yeah. usually... When I do walk here, I don't walk with a backpack. I usually just have my yeah. So that's that's a curious question. Did he have any uh, other suggestions, like certain shoes or, you know, like insoles or, you know, something like that? I didn't ask. We'll have to get him back on the podcast, I guess. Oh, that's a good idea, like right before you go. So, because like I was going to say, 
Chelsea and I just went to Portland this weekend, and we had the pleasure of going to like the Nike company store. And I'm not like a huge Nike person. Oh man, we got to see if they'll uh, they'll pay us. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I got I got some new Nike shoes. They're like the they're like for running. So like the soles are really bendable, and the the fucking entire shoe is like this kind of meshy substance. Anyway, they're fantastic shoes. I love them. They're really comfortable. I'm wondering if those, if like running shoes are also good walking shoes or not. My current running shoes are Nikes. Okay. And I, and are switched, they... I switched to them from Asics running shoes. Okay. So Asics has a very stiff, kind of heavy running shoe. And okay. Nike goes with a very light, flimsy, not stiff, not stiff yeah. running shoe. Yeah. Um, Which one do you like better? Okay, so most people complain about <laughs> things like comfort or like shin splints or yeah. like foot problems. And I had uh-huh. none of those problems with either shoe. Okay. Um I don't feel Was like I st- I don't feel style. like I run any faster in either shoe. Mm. Um the Nike's pretty much come in black. Whereas yeah. my Asics were bright blue. So like yeah, I kinda like the bright blue a little bit better. Okay. You just see my Asics tennis shoes. They are like lime green. It's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> here here is why I like the Asics slightly more. Okay. When you tie the shoe, it stays tied. With the Nike oh. shoe, I have to double knot it, otherwise it comes undone. I don't oh, know what wow. fucking magic Asics puts in those shoelaces, but that shit doesn't come untied until you pull on the lace. The Nike Dude. shoe, you get half a mile if you don't double knot it. Interesting. What a what a what a review. Do you know what we should change this podcast to reviews? Because that was not expected. <laughs> I did not expect that. Like I just I, was, I hate having to double knot it because then I get home and I have to undouble knot it because you want it, your running shoes to be tight, so I have to retie it every time. And uh, yeah. the Nike ones I don't like having to double knot it. The Asics never came untied. Very interesting. Also Very interesting. the Nike shoes, because they're like that mesh. The yeah. dirt when you run gets into the mesh, and so they look oh. so dirty no matter what. Like if you run any kind of dirt track, it will look dirty for the rest of the time you go on the shoe. Interesting. I did not know that either. Now I've learned a lot of things. Good thing I don't run. I just bought Nike running shoes to to be my slippers. <laughs> <laughs> but as for actual fucking slippers. <laughs> Well, uh, the the Nike Company store has pretty good discounts off of their uh, list prices, so it's pretty it's pretty good. It wasn't calm too bad. down on advertising for them because it yeah. seems like that's what you're doing. Nike, what's their slogan? Just do it. <laughs> just do it in slippers. <laughs> just just get some slippers. Just get some running slippers. Um, yeah. Do you know what I thought? I I observed to Chelsea yesterday after I was wearing them. That they would be excellent for high school marching band because they're very flexible. So you can do your heel toe roll, you know. But then you'd get used to that, and then you put the fucking stiff, shitty white shoes we had to wear on all the time. Oh yeah, those things <laughs> that were as much shoe as they were shoe polished by your senior I was, year. I was gonna say as much shoe as they were. Let's just let's just call it how it is: paint, <laughs> like fucking white paint, <laughs> white paint. The cheapest white shoe polish you could buy. Oh my god, that was amazing. Good times. 
because I still haven't finished my rereads for a book series that I am listening to sets slash rereading. Uh, I don't, I haven't been using Audible in the car for my book, so I've been listening to some podcast podcasts. But I've been listening to My Favorite Murder. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I have. Dude, it's a giggle factory. It's so funny. Um, if you're not into like true crime, then you won't like it. And they they can go pretty dark sometimes. Um, but it's it's pretty good. What do you think? Have you listened to it? I have not. Um, okay. But I don't know. What I've heard about it didn't seem like my kind of podcast. But maybe I'll look into it if you're suggesting it. I mean, give it a try. It may not be your cup of tea, but it's it's pretty funny. They're they're both like comedians. Um, uh, Karen Kilgariff or Kilgariff, I think. Yeah, Karen Kilgariff and uh, Georgia Hardstark are their names, and they're fucking funny as shit. Um, so that's a a small interjection. Okay, now here here's the real one. Do you know who Harry Connick Jr. is? That sounds familiar, but I'm not. I can't put any finger on it. He's like the Michael Bublé of the '90s. Okay. I guess. <laughs> like, so, like once a year around Christmas time, he pops out, and then you don't hear about yeah. him for the rest of the year. And also, like a jazz singer, you know, like saying, you know, he sings like jazz standards and things like that. Um. Anyway, besides being like fairly popular he's also a fairly rigorous jazz musician like he's he's actually a very talented pianist and a very talented singer um and there's a few videos of him where he's playing uh like with for a crowd and here's the problem rob he the crowd is clapping on the one and three isn't that like what you do no you clap on the two and the four. Oh, well. Unless you're listening to fucking, like, 1900s March music or prior. The the, the rock, jazz, all pop is on the two and the... You clap on the two and the four. It's like when you listen to a, a modern piece of music, the snare drum is typically on the two and the four. It might mix it up a little bit, but when you're just kind of doing your chorus and doing your thing, it's going to typically have the stress on the two and the four. There's this awesome video of him where he's singing and playing piano uh, with his band, and the crowd is clapping on the one and the three. Uh, and so <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool. This guy made I'll see I'll send you the video so we can post it to listeners. But um, this guy made a video counting the bars like one, two, three, four, showing how the people are clapping on the one and the three. And in his solo. When the drummer is turned off, like the 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 drummer isn't playing anymore, it's just Harry Connick Jr. He fucking plays a five beat measure <laughs> to, to get the crowd on the two and the four. So <laughs> they're like one, two, three. They clap four. Then he does a five. So they clap on the five, which is the sorry. Uh, Wait, oh, I screwed up. If they yeah, clap so on they, the three, they'll clap on the five. Yeah, so they clap on the five, then they don't clap on the one, and they clap on the two, and then four, two, four. And in the background of the video, the fucking drummer, like, celebrates. <laughs> he puts, he's like, yeah! <laughs> uh, and I just thought that was funny, because, like, if you've ever played, 
like, you know, for a crowd or whatever, and they're clapping on the two and the four, or even if I'm at a concert, like, even country, like, Chelsea will bring me to a country concert, and f- people are fucking clapping on the one and the three, and I'm like, please stop, <laughs> like, not only is this only moderately enjoyable to me, now you're just killing my soul. Um, so that is a public service announcement. Learn how to count. And then the answer is always the two and the four. But, but here's the thing, Rob, whether you think it's on the one and the three or the two and the four, it really just is a testament to how much rhythm you do not have. If you clap on the one and the three, even if you don't know what it is, right? You should be able to feel now is when I'm supposed to clap. Like that's how clapping to music fucking works. And so like this entire crowd was just like. Some idiot must have started it on the one and three, and now everyone's fucked. <sighs> okay, so that's my rant, and that is it for all of my topics today. My favorite murder, and don't clap on the one and three. All right, and let's continue our conversation before about what governments can and cannot tell people to do based on the fact that you currently have the plague. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Um, so... We talked, if you don't, if you didn't go back and listen, we talked about, you know, individual freedoms versus what governments can and cannot tell individuals to do. Um, I just want to talk about one more thing that we didn't quite get to and didn't talk about then. Yeah. Vaccinations. Okay. Should, <laughs> should a government be able to require all newborns to get vaccinated for the major diseases such as measles and smallpox and polio and i actually know if they still do polio anymore they might not do polio anymore but yeah they don't typically in the united states it's because we already killed it in the united states so like you're not going to get it so there's no point in giving the vaccine and then like you know though like smallpox vaccinations and measles vaccinations are very effective yeah. So it makes – that's why doctors push it so much. It's because of how their high level of effectiveness. But all the way down to things like the flu vaccine, which some years is 15% effective and other years is as much as 70% effective. But it base, it's based on whatever strain of flu ends up hitting that particular year. Anyway, so the question is should the government be allowed to require vaccinations? Now let me real quick give the argument <laughs> – the general arguments two and four. One interjection. I think that I was wrong. The CDC like very v- definitely recommends children get it. So the I'm polio probably we're wrong. talking about polio vaccine. Yeah. So okay. So general argument for getting vaccinated is that not only does it help you not get the disease, but there are people who have compromised immune systems, children with cancer, the elderly whatever, that can't get the vaccine because the vaccine actually does contain usually a weakened form of the virus. And if you have already a compromised immune system, then you could really get the disease and it could do or other Or, or other compli- complications, right? If you're, if you're immunocompromised, there might be other complications, yeah. Correct. And so the reason why that argument means that you should get vaccinated as an immune healthy person is a thing called herd immunity, which means that if one person gets smallpox 
and no one is vaccinated, then it'll spread quickly and hit a lot of people. But if one person gets smallpox and then the next five people he would have spread it to were all vaccinated, then that case of the smallpox is done. It doesn't spread. And so this, so having a lot of people vaccinated prevents that kind of spread. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, the other main argument is that it will prevent you from getting the disease and then perhaps we can eradicate diseases like we have with things <laughs> like mostly polio. Uh-huh. And um, what's the other uh, famous one that's been eradicated? Smallpox, pretty much. Yeah. Um, polio, the only place on Earth that is not... So, so there's kind of like a, a weird say to say it's eradicated. You can still be eradicated if you only have a few cases per year, but as long as there isn't like a constant thing. Yeah. And so the only place on Earth where polio has yet to be eradicated... Um, is on the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan. And the interesting thing there is that around 2000, it was like 20 countries. And the the WHO had a goal. The World Health Organization had a goal. Let's figure out how to get to polio eradication by 2020. And uh, it's it's been very successful via vaccinations. Now let's talk about the common arguments against getting your child vaccinated. Um... People claim that it is linked to the increased diagnosis we've seen in autism. Now, whether or not you believe this is based on whether or not you believe in science. (laughs) If you believe in science, every peer-reviewed paper and the general consensus and everything I've ever read that's been an official, well-done study has said, no, there's no link. If you don't believe in science, um, then what you'll notice is that there was a spike in autism diagnosis right around the time when the vaccines were being really heavily pushed. Uh, And they say that that correlation is causation. When really what happened was right around the time they started really pushing all the vaccinations, we also learned what autism was and started to diagnose it more, even though... The, yeah, and it, it I, I believe autism didn't have an official classification in like DSM three or something like that, and so it got an official classification in DSM four or something, and uh, that's why it's by you know before it was like doctors would you know um, say you're an antisocial asshole and tell you to go home. Yeah, and the doctors who were saying that you were autistic were kind of breaking the norms of the medical community because it hadn't been officially. It was like you were probably going to add it to the DSM for whatever it was. I'm probably wrong on all of this, but whatever it was, like there had just been an introduction. Like we need to start diagnosing these symptoms as this, uh, you know, disease under this um, umbrella of diseases. And there's a couple other reasons people cite, like. Uh, for instance, they say that there's deadly chemicals in the vaccinations. And while yeah. that might technically be true, it is not above the, you know, minimum amount required uh, or required. It's, it's below the, what the CDC says is the minimum amount you can have. It's like such a small amount that it doesn't matter. Like, the, like you know, they say there's mercury or they say there's aluminum or they say there's all these other things that are in Thimerosal, vaccinations. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the the other thing there is that like the the harmfulness is deba- debatable. Like 
the the one day's worth of sugar that you drank from the six coat bottles you just drank is worse for you than that small amount of the mirasol you just had in your vaccination. So, <laughs> and this brings us to the last reason that I actually want to talk to you about why people say you shouldn't have to vaccinate your ki- kids is that people say that the government shouldn't be allowed to tell me what to do with my own children, which yeah. is the most convincing of their arguments to me. The other ones, oh, by far, are. Just horseshit. Yeah, um, the other ones are just so. Th- this is to this me. is the problem. Yeah, to me. No, it, also just horseshit. But this is a good distinction. There's a difference between having the philosophical discussion or the scientific discussion, and um, di- like uh, what's the word? Diverting, like diverting attention away. To me, the the. Well, maybe not as much in the anti-vaxxer community, but to me, like most people who will not accept the anthropogenic cause of climate change probably don't care at all, except for the fact that they just don't think we should do anything about it. Like, I feel like nine times out of ten, I'll be arguing about this with someone, and then finally I'll get to the point where they're like, okay, yeah, fine, maybe it's happening, but we shouldn't do anything about it. And I'm like, dude, that is a completely separate topic. First, it took me three hours to get you past your, like, fucking hole of sand you dug for your head, right? And now that we've pulled you out of that hole, maybe my entire thing is, and we should burn all the oil in the world. Like, maybe that's my thesis. I'm just trying to get you to a point to where we at least accept the same scientific facts. And so that's kind of how I feel about vaccinations. I feel like a lot of these people are maybe not, I don't know what it is, but they just don't want to make the argument that the government shouldn't tell you what to do or they feel like they need more of a defense than that because they're not effective at arguing that point and so that they make up this other shit to help them make that point it's like look let's just agree that this is you know this is the way it is or maybe it's like to cover for themselves like if you really do choose to go against scientific evidence and the result is like literally hurts your child and society Maybe it's just to like kind of again head in sand to be like no 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 there's good reasons for this like I like it's not because I'm just hurting basically choosing the wrong thing for my child. However, <laughs> so th- this this is a good point. This is what I love. This is why I love that discussion. Um, again, I think here's here's the Supreme Courtiness of me. You start from the position of there are no exceptions. And then figure out where to draw the line and come up with a good rule on how you draw that line. And to me, um, it's like, no, you should be allowed to do whatever you want. The children thing is a little bit different because I don't think parents should have, like, it's like, you know, do parents actually have absolute control over their children, their children's lives? Not really. Like, they can't do tons of things. Like, you can't physically abuse them or sexually abuse them or kill them. Like, none of those things are allowed just because you're a parent. And so you could make the argument, does that mean you're allowed to endanger their lives by not vaccinating them just because you're their parent? Like, where do you draw that line? And so it's easier to draw the line by saying, by, again, the same argument I made for seatbelts and everything else, society. Like... There is there is so much benefit to society that maybe we won't make a law that you have to do it, but we make laws that make it impossible to be in like a 
an active member of society. Like, and that's how a lot of states are doing it. Fine, we're not going to force you to vaccinate your children, but if you want to go to a public school, you have to have vaccinations. So, like, it's our job. But and, don't you think that creates a whole different danger, though? Because that means, because just because you're vaccinated, well, yeah. doesn't mean that you're immune to the disease, True. right? It means that if you get like a weak form of the disease, you're going to be fine. And even if you get a strong form of the disease, you have a much better chance at being fine. However, if you shove all of the unvaccinated kids into one private school that will allow them to go there, guess what's probably going to happen at that school? A super strong smallpox (laughs) infection is going to come out of it. Because like it's going to be able to spread to all of those kids. It's going to be able to spread – and then, like, there's going to be so much smallpox going around that even the vaccinated people are likely going to get sick. Yeah, so here's what I would say. I would say that um, I would make an exception to the Constitution – not the Constitution. The Like, remember, this discussion was, like, you get to invent your own country. I would be like, this is a good enough societal benefit that we should abridge your right to your own – like, what your children do and do not have uh, vaccination-wise. Um, but – Here's the thing that I think makes it more interesting. The reason why they do this school thing is because this is currently the case in the United States. It is, as far as I understand, it is unconstitutional to force people to get vaccinated for any reason. And so that's why states, they know that schools are the number one place where people pretty much have to go through. And they also know that the, like, fucking rights don't exist in schools. (laughs) Like, the right to free speech is way more abridged in a school setting than it is outside of a school setting, you know. Um, and the Supreme Court has upheld that on many different uh, – they, they've said you do have a certain amount of free speech, but not as much as you do outside of a school. And so I think that, unfortunately, this state, this school thing is a product of the fact that there is no good cur- – currently no good constitutional argument for forcing people to get an injection – which I can kind of understand. Like, no, you, look, you can tell me that when I'm driving on a road, I have to obey the speed limit. You can tell me to do these other things, but you cannot tell me to put something in my body. So right? let's say that there were a constitutional amendment that allowed the federal government to require vaccinations. Uh-huh. On the surface, would you be opposed to that or for that? For it. No question. So now let's say that it's a thing. Now we have to make the rule for it. So obviously with things like the smallpox vaccine and the you know polio vaccine that are like 90, 95% effective, it makes sense to require that for horrible diseases. But the yeah. flu vaccine, are we going to require that? Something that you know on one given year might be 15% effective? Is that something they can require? Because like yeah, that's – you know, that seems like a huge boon to the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Now that everyone's going to have these, these, require these vaccines. But at the same time, like, you know, at what point is the government's power going to be limited? Are they allowed to require any shot they want to require as long as it's yeah. in the name of a vaccine? Or is there some bar of effectiveness that has to be reached? Or, like, what if it's a minor disease? Like, what if they end up finding a vaccine for the rhinovirus? Is yeah. That, is that going to be required? That's those are fantastic questions. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, so I, I agree. A lot of this is largely economic. Uh, like the flu vaccine ran out this year because a lot of people didn't fucking get it, 
and so that the the there wasn't enough ordered so that when people did get it the people who were vaccinated would still get it but they'd get it less bad because they had some immunity so the way the flu vaccine works is they pick three that they think it'll be like based on the antigens of the virus and then they give you they create the vaccine for those three and then they give them out well the flu this year was not one of those three but what they always say is that it's a close relative to one of those three close enough to where your you will get sick but your body will catch it sooner than someone who isn't vaccinated and thereby you know you'll top out at a at a less bad you know sickness um, but a bunch of people didn't get it and then they ran out um, because holy shit, like everyone's like, oh, it's bad this year. It spiked. It's like 2012 or something. It spiked as well, 2013 or something. And so people are like, oh, now I want it. But then a lot of places were out. Um, so anyway, because most people who are going to get it, get it before uh, the flu season. Um, so there's a huge economic component to that. That to me also lends itself to we need uh single payer healthcare because then there's less of this there's like this is just what we do we make a vaccine for every single person i i honestly don't know how i would answer that question i personally think flu kills enough people and that a herd immunity even a, a herd immunity to where less people get it less bad and therefore have less time to pass it to other people is still good for the number of people like i don't know i'm actually kind of curious let's see how many Flu deaths there were in 2018 in this like CDC surveillance report. Okay, but it looks like you know upwards of probably over a thousand children, like infants, died from influenza this year. And it's like, look, it's it's not that hard. The flu vaccine is so cheap. Again, this goes back to the economics that we were talking about. If you save even half of those infants. You, you could say maybe it costs $50 million to vaccinate the rest of the people who normally don't get it. Hey, shit, that's 500 lives saved. If you say each life is worth $50 million, then that's a drop in the bucket. It's cheap, right? So, again, this, this kind of goes back to that, like, how much do you value life and, and things like that. But um, I, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know where I would draw the line. But I'm with you. I'm one of these people who's like, Hey, if we have a, a constitutional question that, you know, we literally can't get strict constructionists to choose the right thing for society, let's make a fucking constitutional amendment on it, right? Like, let's say the Citizens United thing, right? Like, if we can't get our society come to the what we know is best for society, we should make an election amendment. We should make an amendment that's about how we do elections so that they're more like Great Britain or more like other countries where it doesn't suck so much. Right, we should fucking do that, and and I agree with you completely. There's a problem that we rarely do, do that. Um, so where I would draw the line, I don't know. I think I'd pull in. I'd, I'd let the CDC write it up and see what they say, and then you know have people discuss it. Um, Having doctors write a rule about health is a crazy idea, Aaron. I think it might just. I work. know. <laughs> it doesn't make it makes a little bit too much sense. <laughs> So much so, I think we should get Jenny McCarthy to write it up for us. Oh, you know what? Her and Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> should do it together. <laughs> yeah, so I would say in general, a little piece of my mind, like 1% of my mind, is like, 
it's a little scary that the government can then say, well, these are the vaccines you're choosing. You don't actually know what this is, but it's being injected in you. Uh, like, okay, I can see that. Um, but I, I don't know. I'd rather just have less people die from diseases that we have solutions for. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that makes the 1% be far outweighed. All right, Aaron, um, I don't know what number episode this will be, so I'm not going to say we're wrapping it up, but uh, I do want to say one last thing before we get to the conclusion. Okay. This is the first time we've recorded an episode where there's been daylight behind you. Oh, true, true. And in that daylight, your cat is just chilling the fuck out, and she has been adorable this whole time. Like a little (laughs) loaf of bread behind you. Yeah. I just um, didn't say that. I, like occasionally, she'll like move or stretch or something, and it's been just a pleasure. Yeah. She uh, so, but this is cool because this is a cat that you know. You know, uh, sorry, this is for you know. You know her. This is for the listeners. Yeah, I <laughs> Since, still actually have in my room artifacts that prove that I once lived with this cat. Really? Like you still find hair on shit? No, no. Um, oh, okay. I have some styrofoam that I use to oh. like protect my computer. Yeah. <laughs> and she tore it up. So there's like little claw marks all up in it. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know what? She's gotten way better about that for two reasons. One is that uh, Chelsea tries to yell at her and say, don't do that whenever she claws at shit. And two, Chelsea has been yelling, not yelling at her, but just being like, hey, stop. Um, Chelsea has been yelling at her for so long to not do that, that now Annie, when Annie hears any scratching whatsoever, Annie immediately pops up, runs (laughs) over to her, and just, like, gets in her face. (laughs) So, like, Annie knows. And what's cool is, like, Annie's even learned, because the cats have, like, those little scratching posts. She's learned that those are okay, because we never yell at her for those. So, their scratch on the scratching post is fine. One scratch on the couch, Annie's up, she'll run over there and just be like... What are you doing? You should stop. <laughs> Mom, mommy doesn't like this. Uh, she also does the same thing for cat fights. So if cats are hissing, she'll get up and run over there and mediate. Uh, but yeah, Callie, she, she's been good. Um, this is also for our listeners. Rob knew her at a time when to know Callie meant to bleed. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. I have to say, I haven't had that... It's been five year, four or five years since she's been that insane. But she used to be quite angsty, I feel like, as a cat. She'd scratch you and stuff. Except for one time. Have you ever seen those videos of, like, a mom who is, like, yelling at a child or spanking a child or something? And a fucking house, cat's up, house <laughs> cat runs up yeah. and completely destroys them. Like, literally chases them <laughs> off. Yeah. That is, Callie is one of those cats. Like, um, one time we moved and Brownie was just fucking crying and I was just trying to get Brownie to stop crying. So I was like, fine, you're going to bed with me. So I just grabbed her, like huddled her up and put her in bed with me just so she had to sleep next to me and I would get some sleep. Well, she escaped and then I go to pick her up again and she hissed at me. Callie ran up. I swear to God, like blood was dripping off of my arms. Like literally <laughs> my, my sink had blood drops in it cause she completely destroyed me. So... She's better, but if you fuck with her friends, she will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) 
and that is the description of the loaf of bread behind you. Um, yes. <laughs> uh. All right, well, cool. Let's wrap this up. Um, check us out on Facebook. When this comes out, I won't respond to anything you say for a long time, probably. That's but Aaron true. will. That's um, true. <laughs> uh, check us out on... Oh, email. Email us. any If you don't want to be public about your questions, feel free to email us. We won't reveal your name if you don't want us to. Yeah. Uh, that's still got nothing Facebook group. Still got nothing at gmail.com. Twitter that we never use. Uh, Let's be honest. One day yeah. we're going to update Twitter and Reddit. We have those locked down, and if you... <laughs> tweet at us or post on the reddit we'll see it might even respond we're just not encouraging that behavior yet <laughs> good good point that's a good way to put it um hey. i what rob what month is this coming out in <laughs> july okay sorry i was just screwing with you because normally we both look at each other and it's like it's time to ask you know the normal end question but um, I figured I'd try to trip you up. So you got anything else? <laughs>